Just getting ahead of this, as always, to remind you this podcast contains adult language and adult themes. In addition, we'll be covering a vast amount of uh, information from the Abrahamic religions, which I did not grow up with. And in no way are any of my jokes or quips meant to insult anybody who believe in the Abrahamic religions to each their own. Thank you. Hi, welcome back. Um, I'd like to pretend like I planned for this, um, but I didn't. Um, Your bitch is mentally ill and has had some rough weeks. Um, so I guess I need to start with a explanation of what's going on and how things are going to be moving forward. Um, I am literally recording this before going to therapy, if that gives people an idea of how I'm holding up. Um, I've decided that for now, um, I have a lot going on in my life at the moment. My work schedule is about to change. I'm hopefully going to be getting put on some new forms of medication and I need to be good to myself for a change instead of uh, pushing everything down until it manifests as some sort of ulcer and so for now until we hit 50 patrons i'm gonna be doing these episodes bi-weekly um i think this will help make sure that um i don't you know kind of stress out about getting an episode together and put out lower quality episodes just because I want to meet a deadline that I completely set for myself. And like, why do I need to set meet the deadlines I set? That guy's an asshole. So I've decided for the month of October, I because it's spooky month, um, if you follow me on TikTok, you'll see I'm doing a 31 uh, horror movies of Halloween, um, which I'm behind on because <laughs> mentally ill. And uh, apparently activating your fight or flight response first thing in the morning every day is not a great thing to do. But I'm working on getting caught up. And so today I have a big episode on seven demons uh, that uh, correlate to the seven deadly sins, which is also going to turn into a sort of discussion on the history of demonic hierarchies and Christian demonology. And then in two weeks, I hope to get it out for Halloween, but just to be safe, I'm not setting a hard deadline because I don't want to fuck it up. Uh, I will be doing 13 yokai stories for the Halloween special because I wanted to do some spooky stuff for the month of October. Um, I apologize uh, for these changes, and I hope that uh, you'll continue to stick with me while I try to figure out how to be an adult in 2023. It's only October, so clearly I've had not enough time to work on it. So a little background on the kind of way this episode is going to work and just like where the sort of driving force behind this episode is. So as some people know that I've talked to online, there I have on my bathroom door is just a wall of sticky notes with various ideas. And one of the things I have on there is dating sims as ethnography because I really um, enjoy playing various dating sims for both genders to just kind of see the kind of tropes and people that they create. And one, so like I have way too many, I've spent way too many time. I have, and if my digital self, if you like, is could be counted as like one entity across all these games, I am the biggest bisexual slut that's ever existed. Um, I shouldn't slut shame, but I've been around. And so one of the uh, little ones that are on my phone 
because I play games on my phone because I'm a millennial, uh, is an app that's called Obey Me. And the opus behind that app is you're a human who is a, a cultural exchange student in the underworld and you have you live with seven demon brothers who are all avatars of various you know deadly sins uh but the thing is is that they're all based on actual demons they add more later on because you can romance i think at the current point there are two apps you can romance the seven demon brothers the heir to the demon throne uh his butler and angel well two angels who are uh, also doing like the study abroad thing and then the wizard solomon so it's a whole big ass thing and so what i decided to do is i'm using those seven demon brothers and i'm going to talk about sort of like demonology as a whole i'm going to talk about the demon himself the different iterations and the way i structured this is that each de each time i switch demons uh there will be a new batch of um friggin like art scholars who have written about it so it's gonna be so like for example it'll be like i'll talk about you know one demon and it'll be like he's you know this description this is what it was like in the bible or other sources and then i will talk about like one or two and then i'll keep adding on to it be like well this person wrote about this in the 1400s and this person wrote about this in the 1500s and this person wrote about this in 1818 and like shit like that and then I will talk about them as they are in the newest app, Obey Me Nightbringer. I am not sponsored by NTT Solomare. If they want to give me money, though, that is perfectly fine. I literally spent $10 in the app today because I have no self-control. But um, so I'll talk in the in the game lore, the way it works is like you've traveled back in time. To when the seven brothers had just fallen from grace so they are no longer angels and they are now demons and so you're sort of meeting them and dealing with the fallout of the grand celestial war so i've so then we'll get a little bit about how they feel like right as they're in the devildom and then they all have in-universe birthdays because a birthday event is fun to do so i they on their official instagram they have birthday profiles which i have taken all the demons birthday profiles and then that's like the fun little way i'll finish these off and that's that's the episode um it's all because i think dating sims are really funny and it's a really interesting way to get like tropes of people and like to understand like the certain way things it's interesting because in a one way you can look at a dating sim as a culture's means of showing what is and isn't attractive behavior from different people and i think that's really fucking fascinating because you can just be like you could see like different and like this again could be another whole episode but for now this is uh the seven deadly sins as demons and uh their you know classifications and uh, how fuckable they are this episode seems a little more looser and unhinged just know it's also because um instead of you know making good decisions uh, I'm also having some alcohol to keep my lo throat lubed. So, yeah, here we go. All right, so the I'm doing this in the order in the game from oldest to youngest. Um, I will be covering some territory we've covered before, but I've got a, a lot more information. It's uh, 19 pages of notes, and uh, so, yeah.
So we're starting off with Lucifer. Lucifer is the Lightbringer in Latin, and he was originally the name of Venus, often being personified in Latin tradition as a young, beautiful man carrying a torch. Uh, the concept of being a being that has fallen from grace is partially due to his association as a uh, with Venus. Uh, in Sumerian and Babylonian myth, uh, Ishtar, or Inanna, is uh, someone who descended to the underworld um, and so that kind of got conflated and then in isaiah fourteen twelve, the babylonian kin talks about the falling of the morning star uh, and then claimed that lucifer was the name of the fallen angel who uh, now works with satan uh then uh, augustine of hippo's fifth century work which is known as the Sidivus die it helped form a lot of major opinion in western demonology within the catholic church um it's very interesting because he sort of breaks away from some of the things that were prevalent beforehand uh he says that um envy is not what would have been considered the first of the sins because you have to have pride he uh, argues that pride because you have to love yourself more than others and even god in order to have envy because he argues that you can't be envious of someone else's situation if you don't think you should be better than in better than them in the first place um he uh further argues that evil as an entity was created because lucifer uh has free will so lucifer was the principal demon of pride during the counter-reformation including the writings of albertius of bresca who gave each of the uh seven deadly sins to a demon there's a few people who did this um which I'll cover as I move on. Um, Lucifer has the smallest blurb because I did sort of like this growing. Uh, fuck it, let's let's drop the uh, festivities. This is a loose episode where I've been I've already mentioned him mentally like seven times. Um, what really happened was I was researching this, and as I got further down the list of demons, more primary sources came up that I started to use. So that's why there's like a it seems like it increases each time it's because i then i'm like oh well now i just found a new source and then i can backtrack and say some of the shit from that so that's why lucifer is one of the short ones uh so in the app obey me uh lucifer is the eldest and he has to deal with the uh issues from the war because he's one of the chief antagonists and instigators and he is also the one who took his six brothers to the devil, um, which is what they call the underworld in that game. Um, uh, there's even like a little, you can look at like little personality profiles in the game. And his ID says that his past actions are a source of daily strife where he sort of regrets the essential, the full on assault on heaven. So his in-universe birthday is June 6th the what i an interesting i found out that i didn't wasn't able to get info on for all of them so i only wrote this down as a tertiary note um some of the demons actually are uh, equated with different astrological signs in various texts but none of the birthdays that they're given to him in game really matches up with that so um but i will touch upon the a couple i wrote down as i go through uh but uh, Lucifer, his birthday in the game is June 6th, which makes him a Gemini. And so his little birthday profile, so each character, the way they did it, 
is there was a Mad Lib where they filled out their answers and then there were four questions as sort of a little Q&A that each of them answered. So the Mad Lib, for example, is, my name is Lucifer. Everyone says, I am a sadist, but I think I am rather affectionate. I like listening to classical music and have no weaknesses. I like spending time listening to curse records. And so it's kind of like the, sometimes there are little adjustments, for example, Lucifer instead of putting down something he disliked for the second half of the like i like listening to music and hate blank he crossed off hate and he has no weaknesses because he's the avatar of pride uh so the four questions that each demon get asked is the first one do you like sweet or spicy uh he said spicy which is a bit odd because his favorite item in the game is a poisoned apple which seems like it would be more tart and closer to sweet uh, the next question, do you like horror? Not in particular, but I don't hate it either. Cats or dogs? Uh, Cerebus, which is just, you know, everybody knows the gatekeeper from hell. There is an anachronistic thing that, like, but I've seen arguments on both sides trying to say that Cerebus is from Cerebus, which means spotted, which means that, you know, Hades named his dog Spot. But the sourcing on that always gets a little hazy, so it's... We can't know for certain if the guard dog of hell was named Spot because I don't think, as the fact of the matter is, it's like technically Hades didn't uh, name Cerebus. If you remember from a previous episode, I want to say the uh, mythology of Devil Survivor 2, we talk about how Cerebus is the child of Echidna and uh, Orthus, I believe. So I don't think Echidna would name their own child Spot, but who's to say? Uh, the final question that gets asked is, which brother or brothers can you depend on? And uh, Lucifer says he can depend most on Mammon. And that is the second brother, so it's a nice, easy transition. So Mammon is the second eldest brother. Uh, in the Bither, Mammon is commonly meant uh, money, material wealth, or an entity that promises wealth. It's like he can also, Mammon is also used as like shorthand for the greedy pursuit of wealth. Uh, in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke, uh, the phrase, you cannot serve both God and mammon, were both attributed to Jesus. Oof, ow, sorry. I just had a notification go off and my headphones are too fucking loud, apparently. I'm going to turn that down. All right, so uh, moving forward in sometime between 1409 and 1410, so we're talking 15th century, a piece was written called The Lantern of Light which is a anonymous Lollard text attributed to John Wycliffe. Uh, Lollards are kind of like proto um, uh, Protestants, uh, specifically in England. So uh, in this text, there is a, it's one of the earliest like extant sources we have of each demon being assigned to a sin, but it's also um, has some demons that aren't on this list and it's a bit weird um i have an excerpt from it here though uh quote the first is lucifer that reigns in his malice over the children of pride the second is beelzebub that lords over the envious the third devil is satan and wrath is his lordship the fourth is called abaddon the slothful be his retinue the fifth devil is memon and has with him the avarice and also fittingly a foul sin covetousness which is his cosmic fuck sorry covetousness is with his company of subjects the sixth is called belphegor 
that is the god of gluttons. The seventh devil is Asmodeus that leads with him the lecherous. So in this one, as it touches on that Lucifer, the previous one is pride, and that not only is mammon greed, it also, you know, you have, you know, the whole covet thy neighbor thing from the Ten Commandments counts as a form of greed rather than a form of envy in the lectern of light. So, a hundred years later, uh, Henrik Cornelius Agrippa writes De Occulta Philosophia, which is a proposed uh, multiple classifications for demons and uh, it, using like sort of like numerical scales. Because you figure 1500s, if we're looking at the 16th century, we're getting close to the Enlightenment. We're getting close to like scientific theory and science going from scientia, which is Latin for knowledge and being more of like religious studies and going more towards like science as more of like a mathematical practice, which was in part due to interactions uh, with the Islamic world, um, which is a whole nother tangent and episode. Uh, but just remember, every time uh, people try to talk Islamophobic things to you, just remind them that without this, the uh, Islamic world, we wouldn't have things like uh, Plato or fucking Socrates, because their writings were... Uh, Christians kept destroying their writings, so the only reason we have any of them is because they got translated from Greek to Arabic, and then somebody rediscovered, probably then Columbus, because um, everybody who renames things is named Columbus, fucking christopher columbus rediscovers america there was a, a columbius who quote-unquote discovered the clitoris so like columbus is the name if you want to refine something that everybody's known about for centuries um but yeah also uh y if you like your numbers uh like one two three four those are arabic numerals so if you uh, don't want to use that you can go back to using roman numerals and you won't have the zero because that's a hindu uh concept i went way off the track here <laughs> Okay, uh, Agrippa. It's always real obnoxious because I would write down Agrippa as, going on another tangent, um, Agrippa is like the shorthand for this text. Agrippa was also the uh, good friend of, I want to say, Claudius. He was a great friend of one of the first five emperors, and the feminized version of his name is Agrippina, which is, the, you know, the mother of Nero, the, you know, well, that's Agrippina the Younger, because there's Agrippina the Elder, who was married to Germanicus, I believe. But this is not me getting distracted by Latin, because this is exactly the issue I kept running into, where I kept writing Agrippa and started thinking about Rome instead of demonology. So Agrippa used numerical scales in order to kind of classify levels of demons. Um, Mammon is in the scale of Novenary which is like being one of nine princes who ruled over like a set group of demons. So for example, Mammon rules over evil genies who specialize in temptation and ensnarement. Um, in O oh Baby Nightbringer, uh, soon after the fall of the Celestial Round, uh, Mammon is sort of Lucifer's closest ally and confidant, being the second born, the one closest to him. And he is said to have a strong sense of uh, responsibility. Uh, his in-universe birthday is September 10th which I believe makes him a Libra. I don't know why I'm giving them astrological signs now, because I am not as comfortable with them as I remember, but I'm pretty sure he's either a Libra or a Virgo. Um, so his uh, little Mad Lib is, my name is Mammon. Everyone says, so this one's a little funny, because he writes, everyone says I'm the coolest devil in the devildom, 
However, that text has been redacted and instead uh, written over is the, just the words, an idiot. It's like, so it's, it actually reads, everyone says, I'm an idiot, but I think I am. He says, I like my beloved Goldie, which is the name of his golden credit card. And I hate punishments. I like spending time spending money to my heart's content. Um, the interesting thing about the difference between Nightbringer and the personality profiles I'm giving you is the personality profiles are thousands of years after they've been living as demons in the Devildom for a while. So, like, Lucifer becomes a sadist who uh, demands authority and respect. You have Mammon who gets really into uh, gambling, uh, debt, and uh, gets a not isn't always the brightest um so then his questionnaire do you like sweet or spicy he says spicy which this tracks because his favorite item is hell's ramen uh do you like horror his answer was simply just wah he is a big fucking baby he does not like horror uh when asked cats or dogs he says cats and then for which brother or brothers can you depend on he says myself do you even need to ask showing that he has become incredibly self-absorbed over his time but that is the second demon mammon the third demon uh the third born is leviathan so leviathan is a bit different because leviathan is a sea serpent mentioned in the uh mentioned primarily in multiple books of the tanakhs which is uh, colloquially known as the uh, hebrew bible uh, he's mentioned in the book of Job, the book of Isaiah, the book of Amos, and he's in the, like, really, uh, I want to say apocryphal book, uh, the book of Enoch. I might be using apocryphal wrong. I am not a religious scholar. I grew up pagan, so I learned about the old gods. I didn't learn about the Abrahamic one. Um, so my apologies if I get any of this wrong. I have not touched a Bible. I used to make jokes that my grandmother would hate because she would give me a Bible and I would drop it like it burned me. Uh, she did not like that a lot. She also, um, really awkwardly, always had her St. James Bible bookmarked to the page that said, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live, which felt very pointed. But, anywho. Uh, so one of the interesting things about Leviathan is if you look at a sort of comparative mythology thing, uh, he, it has been made to the tale of the Canaanite beast Lotan, who was slain by the god Baal Hadad. And, like, Leviathan is often compared to world serpents such as uh, Vitra, who is slayed by Indra in Hindu mythology, or Jormungandr, who is slayed by Thor in Norse myth. It's sort of this big-ass world serpent thing. It's, you know, when you got a big-ass snake, you tend to have a god who kills it at the end of the world. So in Judaism, uh, Leviathan is a dragon who will be served as food alongside Bahamut. Bahamut. <sighs> Fucking too much final fantasy my bad behemoth the fucker's name is behemoth uh and they will be served together as food to the righteous at the end of time uh leviathan uh important to note in judaism is considered the feminine aquatic beast versus to like juxtaposed to the male land beast behemoth in the book of enoch so in agrippa's uh, numerical classification leviathan is in the binary right at the top and is one of the twin chiefs of the devils. Uh, similar to the Lantern of Light, in 1589, a, a theologian named Peter Binsfield also attributed uh, demons to the seven deadly sins, which is uh, his work called Treaties on the Confessions by Evildoers and Witches, 
So Leviathan in that point was added into the seven main devils, and he that's when he becomes the avatar of Envy. Then, now this is the thing that really was fun. In 1613, a Dominican friar and French inquisitor named Sebastian Michaelis wrote a classification of demons called the Admirable History. Allegedly, this classification of demons was told to him by a demon named Bareth, and then he gave this forbidden knowledge to Michaelis while the demon was being exorcised from a nun. Now, what really fucked me up when I found out this information was the fact that Sebastian Michaelis was a real human being. Because for our anime fans out there, Sebastian Michaelis is also the name of the demon butler in Black Butler. And I've been working on getting caught up on the series when they announced the new anime was coming out. So I've been buying like random lots on eBay. (laughs) So I've literally, so I had gotten like 10 books in like three separate lots that I had been binge reading and then I did the research and it's like Sebastian Michaelis and I'm like oh fuck oh fuck is life it's like you can't do this shit to me reality is coming fake nothing is real but no Sebastian Michaelis allegedly uh was told by the demon Bareth uh while being exercised from a nun the uh admirable history which is the classification of demons so in this Leviathan is in the first hierarchy of demons being one of the original three angels to fall from heaven alongside uh, lucifer and beelzebub formerly a prince of the seraphim leviathan tempts people into heresy and the first hierarchy of demons have direct opposition from like the saints so it's like a cage match and so leviathan is in direct conflict with saint peter which i think is really interesting so in obey me nightbringer we meet leviathan who is coming to terms with the fact that he is no longer in heaven and he doesn't like the deviledom and he's realizing that you know maybe betraying you know heaven was not the right idea and in the game the heaven is called the celestial realm so he's starting to realize like maybe i didn't make a good choice so his birthday is april 9th which i believe makes him an aries and his mad lib is my name is leviathan everyone says i have a dark personality but i think i have a personality that is dark like an abyss I like Rurichan, which is an internet idol, because Leviathan hated the devildom so much, he becomes a recluse and becomes a fucking neat, which is uh, not an educated or in, in job like training. And essentially, he's a shut-in who plays games all day. Um, and he hates extroverts. Quote, I like spending time with sharing... I like spending time sharing my thoughts with Henry, the name of his goldfish, about anime and games. So he's he goes from being, you know, this prince of seraphim to he's a shut-in otaku in his questionnaire we got do you like sweet or spicy he likes both do you like horror if it is a horror game where you have to escape from a serial killer leave it to me now the rough part of this is that when this questionnaire came out i'm pretty sure he was talking about the game dead by daylight but now there's also the texas chainsaw massacre friday the 13th and ash versus the evil dead that are all games in that similar vein which is kind of interesting uh cats or dogs he answers henry the name of his goldfish and then which brother or brothers can you depend on and he says i'm not sure why but lucifer um which is very interesting because they are he's in the game lucifer is constantly yelling at uh, leviathan to get out of this fucking room all right so the fourth demon were to get us to a little over halfway is satan Satan first appears in the Talmud as Hasatan, 
who is a heavenly prosecutor subordinate to God who tests people's faith in God like in the book of Job story where they Satan's like Job only likes you because you give him all the gifts and God's like I don't fucking think so and he just fucks up Job's life and you know he fucking gives him sores kills off his family and workers makes him destitute destroys his house kills so many people he loves and then Job still sits down and pray and you get that you know the the line the lord giveth and the lord taketh away and it's supposed to be a nice story i've never heard the end of it so as far as i know job just kind of gets the fucking raw end of the deal but i could be wrong i am again not an abrahamic scholar but so when uh judaism came in contact with zoroastrianism that's when satan becomes more of an antagonistic figure um, so, uh, God, or as the Jewish people knows him, uh, Yahweh, grants Satan dominion over fallen angels and their offspring in order to tempt and test humans' faith within him. Um, one of the interesting things is I was able to get, because I touched upon my notes from a previous episode, I have a lot of bit, a little bit about Satan here. So, uh, in Christianity, Satan is believed to be the serpent who tempts Eve in the Garden of Eden. And then he later appears as a red dragon who is smote by Michael and then bound up and thrown into the lake of fire. So an interesting about this binding and falling of Satan is that there's like allegedly an impact crater, which makes sort of like a funnel into hell. And that funnel shape that slowly goes down into the worst, worst pits of hell is the same uh, way that Dante Alighieri structured the different layers of hell in his work the inferno uh which is part of his trio of works in the divine comedy which is uh essentially self-insert fanfic but that's a whole nother episode about why you know about how a lot of things that are considered great literature are self-insert fanfic so islam is a very interesting thing satan is known as iblis and he is cast from heaven after refusing to bow to adam being like adam is made of clay I am superior to Adam because I am made of fire. So Iblis becomes something that is known as a kafir, or an ungrateful disbeliever, whose sole mission is to lead men astray. Uh, the Islamic people refer to God as Allah, and Allah allows kaf- the kafir to um, tempt mankind because if they are truly righteous and are meant to be with Allah, they'll be able to resist the temptation. In both the Lantern of Light in 1410s and Binsfield's classification in the 1510s, Satan is uh, always the avatar and the like personification of the sin of wrath. Uh, in Agrippa's numerical system, he is also part of the Novenary, like Mammon. Uh, he is one of the nine princes, and he rules over those who imitate miracles or delude, which I think is really interesting in the concept of temptation. And now here's a new text. <laughs> so in the 14th or 15th century, a manual was written called the Book of Abramelin, which was an instructional guide of magic made by an Egyptian name, uh, mage known as Abramelin, who is using this guide to teach this system of magic to a person named Abraham of Worms, a Jewish sorcerer. This doesn't really gain track until the 19th and 20th centuries when Samuel Little McGregor Matthews translates the tome and publishes it. This tome uses sort of like word magics uh, with uh, mixed with Kabbalah in order to use something known as magical squares to cast spells. And in this book, when you are 
as it teaches you how to summon both angels and demons for knowledge it's very like morally gray but it tells you to be respectful to satan as one of the four main princes of demons so the thing about satan in the obey me uh universe is he is uh we meet them again after the fall of the celestial realm satan is an offshoot of lucifer filled with all the hatred and rage so he is incredibly volatile and he refuses to intermingle with other demons he has he has major anger issues and like the reason you get to like sort of like stay in the opening scene is because you're able to tame satan so his in the universe birthday is october 20th so in a week uh, which means, uh, for those who play the game, get ready for a Satan birthday event next week. Uh, so, his Mad Lib is, my name is Satan. Everyone says, I am hard to understand, but I think I am not that difficult to understand. I like books and cats, and hate keeping things organized. I like spending time relaxing while reading a book. When he was asked the four base questions, uh, spicy or sweet, he said spicy, but I can eat sweet stuff too. Uh, he when asked, "Do you like horror?" He says, "I'm good with it." Uh, when choice dogs or cats, cats. And which brother or brothers can you rely on? He says, "Probably Levi," which is very interesting, and I think it's to show that after the thousands of years have passed, uh, Satan has used like not the pursuit of knowledge and reading in order to uh, curb his more uh, angry tendencies, and probably that's why he's so associated with Levi, who's a shut-in nerd. This is uh, a mid-roll uh, to advertise the Patreon. Um, I'm sorry that things have not been as regular. I'm hoping with dropping back to a two-week schedule, things will be more regular. Uh, and so uh, with the Patreon, we're going to start using that to incentivize goals. So if we can get to 50 patrons, uh, I will go back to doing weekly episodes. Uh, for now, uh, you can join the Patreon for $5. You get access to the Discord community, you can join the We Don't Talk About Book Club book club, uh, which is all about uh, just fun historical books or like folklore or just fun books. And uh, patrons also have the ability to ask questions that I will answer either just as a mini answer at the beginning of the episode or even as full episode topics. Uh, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash cavalcade of tales. Uh, in addition, uh, it's a bit late, but I'll announce the the October book for the book club is Bum -ba -da -da, The Secret History of Wonder Woman by Jill Lepore. This is a uh, fascinating book. It's about the uh, it's kind of like a historical text on the man and the throuple that created Wonder Woman. Um, I, if you can, I highly suggest getting the fifth uh, 2015 edition because she released uh, the book twice uh, afterwards she there was a whole new addendum where she was able to actually go in and look at uh, never before seen letters and photographs from the Marston family papers so the 2015 edition has all of the uh, extra knowledge from that new set uh, for people who are fans of Wonder Woman, um, this is it, this gives a lot of insight into the man behind it, uh, whose name was da -da -da, it was oh god, what the fuck was his first name? His last name is Marston. 
I don't know. I can't. I don't remember right this second. Uh, it's an excellent book. I have read it before, but I thought it would be really interesting for um, October because uh, not only uh, are some people probably going to dress up like Wonder Woman, uh, but uh, I think it's been a couple years since the movie came out uh, about this book, which is about the life of Mr. Marston and the uh, ethical throuple that they were in, and it's uh, really fascinating, and I highly suggest it. So that is the October Book Club book. And you can join the book club at patreon.com slash cavalcadetales. All right, now back to the episode. So we're trucking later on here. I don't know if it's because I'm talking faster and more anxious because I'm uh, having a drink or because I know that after this I have to uh, go to ask a doctor to put me on something. But anyway, uh, the fifth brother is Asmodeus. So in Judeo-Islamic traditions, Asmodeus is the king of both demons uh sorry daemons like jinn or shedem and demons which are called divs he's most known as his part in the book of tobit in the uh, judeo uh, judeo islamic thing so in the book of tobit asmodeus is hostile to sarah who is the daughter of ragul so what happens is over the span of seven days, he kills seven of Sarah's husbands right before they're able to consummate their marriages, which essentially means that all their marriages are null and void in the eyes of God. So he's just like, God, so they're trying to figure out something. So when Tobias decides to marry Sarah, Asmodeus shows up at the actual wedding and is like, have you guys learned fucking nothing? I'm going to kill you if you marry this woman. You will not bed her. However, Tobias has the guidance of Raphael, the archangel, so he makes a smokescreen from a fish heart and liver that is put onto cinders, which drives Asmodeus away. Asmodeus is later found in Egypt, where he is bound by Raphael, and in some versions, he is even strangled to death by him. So when... Okay, so here's another new text. In 1486, the German clergyman Heinrich Kramer wrote a demonic compendium known as the Malleus Maleficarum, which a lot of people probably have heard about, uh, translated in English, that is the Hammer of Witches. It's not a great text because he says that women were at fault for tempting men into lustful behavior, claiming that they were the thralls of the demon Asmodeus. Freya, please do not chew on the cable. I love you, but these are new headphones. Thank you. Um, the work has also been incredibly discredited because it, by the faculty of Cologne, it's a very inconsistent with Catherine, uh, Catholic doctrines of demonology, and it recommends very unethical and uh, illegal procedures uh, on women, including uh, female genital mutilation, which is a bit shit. So, another text, <laughs> new text, is in... Do I have the time frame when this one is written? Yeah. So in 1818, um, hold on, I have his full name in a different section. I don't know why I didn't get it there. Da, 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 da. In, is it in the Beelzebub section or is it in the Belphegor section? Uh, it's going to be in the Beelzebub section. Jacques. Colin de Plancey. There we go. So Colin de Plancey uh, described a physical form of Asmodeus, saying he had the breasts of a man, a chicken leg, a serpent tail, 
and three heads, which were a sheep, a bull, and a man spitting fire, who rides a lion who has a dragon neck and wings. Uh, this poetry was also uh, sanctified and approved by the Archbishop of Paris at the time, whose name I did not write down. <laughs> then, so in both the Lantern of Light and the uh, Binsfield's treatise on the evildoers and witches, Asmodeus is the avatar of lust. And just like Mammon and Satan, Asmodeus is in the scale of the Novenry, which makes him the prince of those who get revenge on wickedness and being one of the nine demon princes. So uh, our good friend Bassi, or Michaelis, wrote that Asmodeus was in the first hierarchy of demons, being a former prince of the Seraphim, who burns with the desire to tempt men into wickedness. He is also in direct opposition to John the Baptist. And then here we go, another new text. So there is a text known as the Lesser Key of Solomon, and in that there is a thing known as the Ars Goetea, which lists the 72 demons that could be controlled by Solomon's magical symbols. Uh, it is said that Asmodeus is known as King Asmodei, and is a seal in gold and rank 32nd. The description is similar to Duplancy's, albeit he also wields a lance in this version while he's riding the dragon lion, and controls 72 legions of inferior spirits. There is also a apocrypha uh, story in the Lesser Key of Solomon that discussed Solomon tricking Asmodeus into helping him construct his temple. In Obey Me, Nightbringer, we meet Asmodeus soon after his fall from the Celestium Realm, uh, we begin to see the the start of his vanity really taking over, being that he believes he's still the most beautiful creature. However, he's incredibly insecure that his wings have gone from white to black. Freya, I said don't attack the cords, please. Thank you. They're not toys. Do not eat the forbidden spaghettes. Do not eat the forbidden spaghettes. Damn it. You, you scat. Don't do that. This has been Freya wanting attention. <laughs> yes, hi. So the interesting thing is, Asmodeus was the part where I found out that all the brothers were associated with various signs of the, like, Western Zodiac. Uh, for example, Asmodeus is uh, related to Pisces, which I am, which doesn't feel weird. I swear to God, Freya, I love you, but stop eating the fucking cords. But his in-universe birthday, stop it. Do not eat the forbidden spaghettes. I will cut all of this. I'm not cutting any of this out. Let's be realistic. But stab it. I love you, but knock it off. Asmodeus isn't a Pisces in the game. He's born on May 15th, which I think makes him a Taurus. <laughs> His birthday profile. I'll do my best to... I. Let's be real. I'm very monotone, so I'm probably not going to you know, put the right inflection in. So I'll just you say the tiny symbols because it's very cutesy. My name is Asmodeus. Everyone says I'm a narcissist, but I think I'm too cute for my own good. Just like Freya, I swear to fuck. <laughs> and that I swear I'm too cute for my own good ends with a heart. Uh, I like myself, of course, heart, and have and hate bugs. Eek, gross. <laughs> I like spending time having an awesome -o party with my beloved peeps star. Um, the Osimodius that we meet in the game is very vapid. If we're being 100% transparent, he's also my least favorite demon. It, literally, like, he, like, it's funny because back to back we're having my least favorite and my favorite. So my least favorite is Mesmodius. He's a vapid shell of a person and, like, not my favorite. 
so the Q and A, uh, when asked if you like sweet or spicy, as many as prefers sweet. Do you like horror? Yep, I like it quite a lot. When asked if he likes cats or dogs, he says, me, heart. Probably be, uh, which I would say he's a dog. And which brother or brothers can you always depend on? He says, I always depend on Satan. Um, which is probably because Satan is uh, very good at cleaning up Osmo's messes. So we're going from my least favorite demon brother in game to my favorite demon brother in game. And this is Beelzebub. My sweet favorite. The quiet stoic. Because I'm a messy bitch for two. Anyway, so Beelzebub is uh, interesting. A lot of history in this one. I didn't do extra research into Beelzebub because he's my favorite. It just happened to be that there was a lot of information on him. Anyway, uh, so Beelzebub was formerly worshipped as a Philistine god in Ekron. The Lord of the Flies was adopted by Abrahamic religions when he became a major, uh, major demon. Uh, one speculation on why Beelzebub is associated with flies is because the deity could have been called Baalzebul, which translates to Lord of the Heavenly Dwelling, and Baalzebub could have been a derogatory pun used by early Israelites. Um, in uh, There's a tale about uh, Baalzebul in Melikum 2 from 1, 2-3 and then 6 and 16 which is a cautionary tale in the Torah about King Isaiah. He suffers a fall while visiting Samaria, and he sends a messenger to the temple of Baal-zebul to see if he will recover. Elijah the prophet tells the king that he shall die by God's words, since Isaiah went to the, quote, fake god of Akron, rather than consulting the Abrahamic god. Uh, quote, Therefore, so has the Lord said, from the bed on which you have ascended, you will not descend, for you shall die, which was in two kings, uh, one dash three four um this source might be a little spurious i'm not 100 but it's said that some jewish scholars have interpreted the worship of baal as either idol worship or as a uh equating it to uh baal is uh literal shit and the reason he is associated with flies is his followers swarm around the the shit which is a bit bit shit a bit rude so in the Ars Goetta, the first head of the infernal powers is known as Baal and is considered sort of a, or is known as Baal or Baal, and it's considered an equivalent to Beelzebub. And so this is the first king of hell, and he commands 66 legions and also is able to, when appeased properly, teach the art of invisibility, which is kind of neat. Uh, interestingly, in the 1410's Lantern of Light, Beelzebub is actually the one of the Dominion of Envy. He didn't become the Dominion of the Gluttonous until Binsfield. And then uh, in Deacold Philosophia by Agrippa, Beelzebub is in the scale of the Noven Tree as well, being the Prince of False Gods, which probably harkens back to the Judeo concepts of him being a false idol of worship. Um, according to Michaelis's uh, argument, the which was uh, the I'm gonna say the actual history is what it was called. What the hell did he call it? The admirable history. So Michaelis says that Beelzebub was a prince of the Seraphim who was like the second in command to Lucifer. He was one of the first three to fall, and he tempts men with pride and is directly opposed by Saint Francis. 
In the 15th or 16th century, a French Goetic grimoire emerged, being allegedly uh, written by Solomon, similar to the Ars Goeta, and it was known as the Livre des Espirits, or just the Book of Spirits. This work lists 46 demons in a hierarchical order, giving a detailed description of each one's function and appearance. Uh, this one was uh, used as sort of like a another guide of figuring out different hierarchies of demons. And in that one, uh, Beelzebuf is the second in command right underneath Lucifer. Then we also have uh, Deplancy, who wrote the Dictionnaire Infernal. And by using the... Um, one interesting thing is that not only were these hierarchies of hell, um, it was sort of more of a satirical piece because they were compared to uh, English courts and European courts. So Beelzebub was the supreme chief of the Empire of Hell, founder of the Order of the Fly, uh, which I believe is a small dig at the Holy Roman Emperor. Uh, although actually in hindsight that doesn't necessarily work out because uh the holy roman empire would have fallen a lot earlier than the 1800s because that or yeah the 1800s because that would be 19th century yeah the holy i don't think the holy roman empire was around in 1818 but anyway so in obey me nightbringer we uh this is soon after the uh fall from the celestial realm beelzebub is grappling grappling with guilt for a tragedy that occurred within the celestial war um, we find out in a later game, in the original game, that part of the Celestial War was the cast out and uh, uh, thought of death of the sister Lilith to all the demons, uh, which is actually our ancestor of the player character. Uh, but so Beelzebub is sort of just kind of uh, very stoic, um, which, you know, I like in a person. Not, like, emotionally unavailable, but, like, able to control that shit. Because, God, I wish I could fucking control that shit. Anyway, so he and Belphegor in the game are actually twins. And they are born on March 11th, which actually makes them Pisces. And Beelzebub is the older of the two twins, which is why he's listed as the sixth brother. In his uh, Mad Lib, it is, My name is Beelzebub. Everyone says I have a careless personality, but I think I just don't worry about the small things. I like delicious things and hate bad tasting things and mammoth's peanut butter sandwiches. I like spending time eating BLT devil sandwiches while deciding what to eat for dinner. Um, as the avatar gluttony, he's just constantly eating. His favorite item is the uh, giant stack cheeseburger. Uh, if when asked if he likes uh, sweet or spicy, he says he likes both. Do you like horror? I don't love it, but I don't hate it either. Between cats or dogs, he says he prefers dogs. And then which brother or brothers can you depend on? He says Belfi and Lucifer. Um, it's no surprise he says that he can rely on Belfi, that is his younger twin, Belphegor. Which again, another fun segue. Because our final demon is the demon of sloth, Belphegor. So Belphegor is a little tricky because there's a lot less about him. In uh, Christian demonology, Belphegor, or as another name, Balpeor lord of the gap is a demon uh, in kabbalah he's a demon who helps people make discoveries and it's kind of interesting because it is said that he seduces people by suggesting ingenious inventions that make them rich but then makes them miserable showing them that money cannot buy happiness although as a poor person who lives paycheck to paycheck money may not buy happiness but it can buy some peace of fucking mind some days <clears throat> 
So Belphegor is a lot later added. He's not in the Laterne of Light at all. He is in Binsfield's treaties uh, as the Avatar of Sloth. Um, it's very interesting because in the 1818 Dictionnaire Infernal by Plancy, Belphegor is the ambassador of France. Just... There's also like this weird thing, and I couldn't really find out why, but there's a lot of depictions of Belphegor as a large demon sitting on a toilet. And I could never find the source of that, but it's just a fun aside. But I do have a short story, a novella, and an opera. So, in 1518, Niccolo Machiavelli wrote a small novella called Belphegor Arcad... I can't even read my own handwriting. Belphegor Arcadevalo, or Belphegor the Archdemon. In some editions of his work, when they're combined with other works, it is known as Il Demono Ma, which is the demon who takes a wife. In this tale, Pluto, the Latin god of the underworld, notes that many of the men in hell blame their wives for their many miseries and suffering. Pluto then makes a parliament to try to figure out the truth of if marriage is truly a terrible thing, and decides that the most recent arrival, the archangel turned archdevil Belphegor, should go investigate. Belphegor assumes the guise of a character named Rodrigo of Castile, and arrives in Florence with a hundred thousand ducats. He marries one Onestra Donati, who quickly puts the new couple into debt with her vanity, wasteful spending, and her family constantly asking for money. Belphegor is chased by creditors and magistrates until he is helped by the peasant Gianmati. Uh, Belphegor grants him the ability to uh, expel demons from women to thank him for his help, which actually unwittingly leads to Guillemante's uh, misfortune and demise. Belphegor then gladly refers to hell, saying that he denounces the entire institution of marriage. Um, is it weirdly um, page patriarchal and shitty that the whole story is about saying if you get married you're going to be miserable? Yeah. Clearly... But it was such a good work that Antonio Respighi, in 1923, wrote a whole opera based off the story known as just simply Belfagor. In the opera, Belfagor appears to an apothecary named Miracleto, who has three marriageable daughters, and he says he must take a wife for ten years to see if marriage causes suffering. He then despises himself as a rich man named Ypsilon, and calls upon the three daughters. The eldest two, Fidela and Medela, are completely enamored with the man, including his wealth. But rather, uh, Ypsilon chooses the youngest daughter, Candita, who shows utmost contempt and hatred for him, because she is in love with a sailor whose name is Baldo. However, swayed by the uh, impressive dowry, uh, the apothecary marries Candita off. The story moves ahead a month where Ypsilon is in his castle trying to seduce Candita to actually sleep with him because the marriage has yet to be consummated. And so what she does is she tricks him into thinking that she has decided to uh, go have sex with him, and when he's getting ready, she absconds and runs away with Baldo. They move to the next town, and they're hiding with the provost, when Belphegor appears as a vagabond and convinces Baldo that Ypsilon had already had his way with Candita, and that he was essentially just having sloppy seconds, and that Candita Ypsilon has vanished because he has gotten what he wanted, which was to fuck a young virgin and then bounce. Baldo then attempts to leave Candita, who beseeches the whole the Madonna, saying that she is still a virgin and has never slept with Canadon, and to that to prove it, there will be a sign. And the church bells begin to ring on their own, which convinces Baldo that Candita was telling the truth, and they are married and live happily ever after 
Um, it's a very interesting opera. It's not as uh, complex as Carmen was when we did the Antiheroes of Persona 5, but it's, you know, it's kind of interesting. And, like, honestly, when I started this podcast, I never thought I'd be talking so much about opera. Hell, an episode I have planned for later. There's another opera in there. So when we meet Belphegor in Nightbringer after the Celestial War, Belphegor is also carrying the burden of what happened into in the Celestial War and is just trying to avoid and run away from it and trying not to think about it. Uh, he later becomes a narcoleptic who hates humans and uh, tricks the player character into forming contracts with the demons so that he can escape and kill her. Being the twin of Beelzebub, his birthday is also March 11th, making him a Pisces. I think it's cute. You know, twin fish, twin demons. Pisces, hooray. And his birthday Mad Lib is, My name is Belphegor. Everyone says I have a laid-back personality, but I think I'm responsible. I like morning naps, afternoon naps, and evening naps. And I hate the snooze function. I like spending time relaxing on the sofa in the common room. Uh, Belphegor is a very, very uh, relaxing character. He's like... He's my third least favorite, because it goes, like, now that I've said all the demon's names, I'll fucking give you a ranking. So, Biel's my favorite, followed by Mammon, then Satan, then probably Lucifer, Belphegor, Levi, Asmodeus. That's, that's my order. Anyway, um... The to finish this off, his Q and A. If uh, when asked if he likes sweet or spicy, he says he prefers sweet. Do you like horror? Yeah. Cats or dogs? Dogs. And which brother or brothers can you depend on? He says his older brother Beale. And that is our seven demons and four hundred years worth of demonology and also like an opera and some short stories and various pseudo demonical texts. And yeah, but that's that's that. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. Um, or this episode. I shouldn't say this week's because there's going to be a full week in between. Um, next week, or not next week, on the next episode, which hopefully will be uh, October 31st, the Tuesday, um, will be uh, 13 yokai stories. Uh, I have it on good authority that some fans really like when I do yokai stories, so... Uh, yeah, I'm going to do 13 yokai stories. Originally, this episode was going to be a combination. It was going to be like a spooky deluxe episode. But then uh, I got tired. Because life is tiring and I'm not even having a good time. Uh, but yeah, uh, if you like this episode, uh, make sure to rate it five stars. Tell your friends. Um, uh, please leave reviews on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, if you want to follow me, uh, I have an Instagram uh, which is and a TikTok. Both are at white trash historian again on tiktok i'm doing a 31 days of uh 31 horror movies of october where i post little drawings that i do which have to do with various things about horror movies um i'm a little behind i still have three more movies to catch up on but i have all weekend to do it so i'll be getting caught up and yeah um if you that's i already said that um i hope you guys have a good time um i hope you guys the new schedule works out for you guys and you enjoy the episodes with some extra work on them because although for some reason i can take more and more notes but everything still ends up being an hour what the fuck is up with that is it just i have big ass handwriting maybe anyway all right now i'm just rambling uh have a good day i'll see you all in the next episode bye